What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. There, you can purchase items from our online store and donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Maria Crawford. Welcome, Maria. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've had a good little bit chatting here before we got going, and I'm excited as well. There's so much to talk about for sure. Maria, you and I first met through Instagram. And, yes, uh, the wonderful world of Instagram. It is, it's such a cool place. Lots is. of friendships budding out of that area. For sure. I am actually going to be posting a podcast um, this next week. I'm actually going to be both of uh, my podcasts this week. So yours will be posted on Thursday. So just uh, heads up on that for everybody that's listening. Perfect. This is a, uh, it's Sunday and uh, we'll post it on Thursday. But, um, you know, if you're listening now, if you go back and look, Tuesday's podcast was also an Instagram uh, person that we met through Instagram. And so it's been kind of cool to have these relationships kind of turn into a podcast and, and getting to learn more about the people that I enjoy following. And um, I think that all of you should enjoy it and go check them out as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, Maria, I'm going to start off because... I don't really know you very well, and neither does anybody else that's listening, maybe our, our regular listener listeners. Um, would you do us the honor of maybe telling us three things about yourself that you think are important for people to know? Sure. So let's see. I think that, at least currently in my life, one of the most defining aspects for me is the fact that I'm a graduate student pursuing a clinical license to become a therapist, a mental health therapist. So that's kind of the, um, the, everything my life is about right now is focusing on that. I'm really getting into the nitty gritty of my studies and I can't wait to be done and start practicing clinically. Um, but that's probably number one. Um, number two, I write poetry Yes. And I'm about to self-publish a book. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. It's been probably about three years in the making, so it's I'm very excited to get it out there. Yeah, um, it's just about done. And then the third thing, um, honestly, I think that living in in Maine, Portland, Maine is a big part of who I am right now too, because I've moved around quite a lot, and yeah. I feel pretty at home here. And that's a cool feeling. Um, I don't know if I'll be here forever, but I really think it's a cool place. And I've been enjoying it. And so those are pretty three defining aspects of who I am right now. Those are awesome. And yeah. I, I'm, I love all these because, you know, I said I've been following you on Instagram. And so these are all different parts. Like we've had a little bit of conversation about, you know, via Instagram as much as you have on Instagram with people. But you know, when I first moved to South Florida and, you know, we kind of shot like, Hey, like I've moved quite a bit in my life too, but you have, um, 
definitely you you were in that trophy for the most uh most moves in your life i think yeah i'm on number 17 right now 17 dang Uh maria that's crazy i know i know i don't even know how it all happened i mean if you think back to i was a child and i've moved 17 times since i was born it doesn't sound that bad but i think you know in relation to an average person it's a lot (laughs) yeah yeah for sure yeah i've moved you know six i don't know five six seven times i don't even know i'd have to like sounds, count them sounds out more but, like it <laughs> yeah but it, it's never easy every time has its own difficult uh difficulties you know but um i i think there's an element and maybe maybe you can speak to this a little bit as well but um i think there's an element that is trying but it's also it can be a healthy like challenge you know, it kind of takes you oh, out of your comfort sure. zone and kind of forces you to think differently, you know, and not get stuck in that day-to-day routine that we all kind of thrive and strive for and thrive in. But I think there's a lot of growth that comes when we kind of get outside of those comfort zones, you know? Oh, for sure. I, I totally agree with that. I grew up, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but mm-hmm. I grew up in the Midwest and it wasn't the most diverse area and so you know I, I always felt a little bit uncomfortable by that yeah. by you know being in such a, pl- a place with so many of the same types of people and moving has really expanded my mind to learning you know different pasts and different people and different cultures so it's been a wonderful learning experience if anything yeah absolutely I, I relate to that as well I'm you know born and raised mostly uh, in the Midwest as well born in Indiana, mm-hmm. moved to Illinois. Uh, so I've spent a, a bulk of my life in between those two states, but I've moved around a bit outside of that as well. Mm-hmm. So I get it, you know, definitely uh, not the most diverse area in the world unless you're in a bigger right. city. And But yeah, then, you know, we, we just moved, my wife and I just moved to South Florida from good old snowy, cold Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota, and so. Oh, I spent almost all of my summers of my entire life in Minnesota, so oh, I good. am also familiar with, with that. <laughs> awesome. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is going to be so much fun. Um, yeah. Maria, let's let's dive into number one of the things we should know sure. about you. Graduate student, um, what was your undergrad in? My undergrad, I, I went to Montclair State University in New Jersey, Okay. and I studied family and child studies. So that's kind of like a a glorified way of saying you're either going to be a teacher or you're going to be a therapist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I thought I was going to be a teacher, but um, turns out throughout my studies, I realized I'm much more invested in the emotional side of things than than the academic side of things. Totally. Long story short. (laughs) Totally. Right there with you. Now you're in a graduate program and... I believe you said that's for counseling. What was your exact? Yep, that's right. What is the exact title? So it's, um, I'm going to Marshall University and cool. it's just a Master of Arts in Mental Health Counseling. Nice. Master mm-hmm. of Arts in Mental Health Counseling. How far along the program are you? Um, I've completed about 12 credits out of 60 so I'm fairly new but I think that yeah. I I feel like I know more than I have yeah. studied just I read so many books and I I'm so interested in the topic that I think 
a lot of it is also self-study and how much you can learn on your own time and continuing education. But mm. I, um, with all the moving that I've done, bounced around a little bit, but I am looking forward to being done in about two years. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Do Would you say that a, I don't know, uh, a big chunk of the learning process within the counseling world and psychology world is kind of understanding yourself as well. Would you oh agree with that? Oh my God, yes. Yes, so much. Um, I think that, especially in the beginning, Yeah. and maybe some other people might disagree that it's more towards the end, once you've already examined everything you need to learn and mm. sort of the academics are behind you and now you're sort of left facing yourself but I find that in the beginning you're almost faced with yourself questioning am I good enough mm. to help someone else yeah right you know am, am I stable enough to help someone else you know that type of question sure um and it's something that I, I ask myself a lot but I think that you just have to get down to the theory of it and your heart honestly to see if yeah. you have that empathy um, to help other people in that way, selflessly almost. And yeah. I, I definitely, I already have that personality naturally, so mm. it's certainly the right career for me. That's awesome. I, I would yeah. imagine it, there's an element too that, you know, kind of knowing yourself, it, it's like that kind of practice what you preach. You can't tell somebody to go to the depths of their soul if you haven't gone there as well. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that some of the stuff I've been through has really lent itself to mm. helping me um, be prepared for that career. I feel sure. not to knock anybody in the profession, but if you haven't really been through hard times, yeah. how are you going to how are you going to help people? You know, how are you going to sure. empathize with people? I always say, I don't know if I should be um like a therapist for people who have drug addictions because there's yeah. that type of thing in my, in my past from my childhood. It might be yeah. too close to home. You know, I just, yeah. you got to try to check yourself and sure. understand what you're comfortable with, what you know, and go from there. Makes total sense. Let's dive in now to poetry and you awesome. just finished uh, your manuscript. Yep. I was sure super, <laughs> super pumped about that. That was so cool. I, I, I can Thank only you. imagine, you know, again, following you on Instagram, it's funny the things you get excited about when these like certain people that you follow, you're like, oh, cool. That's like really cool. They did like, that, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, they, they completed it. And I saw you post that picture in your story of the big, massive uh, <laughs> ream of paper that you had <laughs> in your hand. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Sometimes I think, like, is the paper really thick or something? Because the seams, I don't know if I'm ready to see how big the book is going to be. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. That's so That's so much fun. That's so much fun. What's, how long have you been writing? You said two years you've been working on this? I would say, yeah, about maybe even three. Um, maybe two and a half, three years. Sure. I started, I've always kind of dabbled in poetry ever since I was mm -hmm. a, a teenager. But that was more just like, you know the emo kid stuff. <laughs> sure. But I went through some hard times in my past yeah. and I found that writing about it just mm. really, really helped me release those emotions. And a book came of it 
and I, I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write a poetry book. It just ended up coming together. And I think that that's really awesome that it kind of encapsulates just a little piece of my life, mm. but speaks so much to who I am at the same time. Yeah, totally. I mean, what's, it came about eventually. What did that look like? When did you decide that you're like, oh, wow, I look at all this writing I have. Like, what am I going to do with this? Let's make a book. When did that come about? Yeah. You know what? I, I've i always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to. I, I worked in New York City as a fashion editor back maybe 10 years ago, mm. which sounds like an eternity. But um, I would go to fashion events and cover them and write about them. And I, I love writing. And so I, I always thought, oh, maybe I'll write, you know, a story about my life yeah. or because my life has been a little bit non-traditional, but it just never came to be. So when I sat with myself after writing some 300 poems mm-hmm. of all about the same time in my life, I said, you know what? These kind of, they have an order. They go together. There's a theme, you know, yeah. maybe this is a book. So I just started sifting through them, putting them in an order and I you know it kind of happened to me instead of it being intentional and I'm really happy about it I think that when things like that come about it's it one it feels very good it feels like a you're like that light bulb going off where you're like oh wow Mm -hmm. like there it is like there's the idea I love that creative process I can imagine especially you know poetry in the type of poetry that you write uh specifically you know very vulnerable kind of feelings maybe helping with some past trauma or some past you know Mm -hmm. uh stuff that you've gone through is that make you nervous to put that out there it does and that's a really good question um it's vulnerable yeah i wrote this book um during a major breakup in my life yeah Um, I was in a relationship for six years and when that ended, I sort of wrote my way through it Mm. and following the breakup, I was in a new relationship not very shortly after. And that's also something I felt a little bit weird about, you know, I was like, Hmm, should I be in a relationship after such a short period of time? And so I also wrote, I wrote poems about the breakup I wrote poems about myself and how I felt after that being alone and then I wrote poems about falling in love again and I think that that's just a beautiful transition um something that I it was almost a release of um guilt within my poems and it helped me process all of it and allowed myself to love again that's so cool it's like a yeah it's like the circle of life you know I mean exactly it's it's the story of love. You know, you fall into it, you fall out of it, and you mm-hmm. have to find your way back and, and get back on your feet and do it all over again. And hopefully right. the best and something better and um, the next time. But it's challenging, right. huh? It is. It's challenging. And I. it's very challenging. And even if, you know, you lose hope about love and you think, oh, this isn't for me or I don't deserve it, I hope that maybe just... I'm self-publishing. I'm not marketing yeah. it very in a big way or anything, but I really hope that this book will find somebody who feels like they can't love again, you know, because yeah. you can't. 
Well, and especially love yourself, too, at the same time. So. Mm, totally. Well, you have to make a promise. I'm going to hold your feet to the flame. Let us know whenever it's published and when it's oh, for ready sure. for sale. And uh, Crazy Face Uno and, and myself would love to help you with that uh, marketing and getting your name out there and getting letting people know. I'd, I'd love to help you uh, find your way in that area. That would be amazing. I will absolutely let you know. I have a goal to have it ready by the end of May. Ooh. I'm going to try to stick to that <laughs> as hard as I can. Yeah. But I'm about to order the proof here in, in a few days. So I got to have it in my hands and make sure it's good to go. And then it'll be all set. Cool. That's so, that's so much fun. I love that. I, you know, I, we tell story, it's storytelling. It's a, I, tell people that Crazy Face Uno is a storytelling brand. That's that's how I see right. it and view it. And so I love that because, you know, the self-publishing route is something I've thought about. I, I'm not necessarily super excited about writing, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like it comes natural to me necessarily. I have to put a lot of thought and effort into that. And But I, I do enjoy it. I just don't know that I've been disciplined enough in, in the past to really mm-hmm. – push me into the writing world, which is kind of funny because it's kind of the birth of this podcast. You know, for me, here's, here's a little snapshot of me, Maria. I love audiobooks. So I've, I've I've owned so many books throughout my life, pick them up, start reading just maybe, you know, a couple chapters and then I'm like bored or I just lose interest, or I don't make the time to do it. I don't sit down. But audiobooks change the game for me. And then mm-hmm. podcasts, like podcast conversation. I'm an external processor, and so like I, t- I talk a lot, and I think as I talk, which is great for this, but it can really really weigh on people if you're not ready for it. <laughs> um, no, I can totally relate to that for sure. And so it's just really interesting because I feel like this has been, you know, my wife has even mentioned it to me throughout this process of doing the podcast. You know, we, we posted over, you know, yours will probably be, I believe like 105, um, podcast number 105. So we've done this a few wow. times, but my wife had mentioned to me recently, not too long ago. And she's like, it's kind of like a, a therapy for you. You know, like talking and talking about life and talking about people. And um, and it really is. This has been there's a there's an element that's like very therapeutic for me to be able to just have a conversation with people. I, I love having conversations with people. Also, interestingly enough, I don't really love to talk on the phone. Um, so it's interesting because I don't love to talk on the phone, but I have an hour and a half long podcast that I do twice a week and uh, I love it. It's great. It's really fun. No, I, I absolutely agree. I, and I can relate to you, too, because I don't really love talking on the phone either. But there's something different about the intention yeah. of recording a podcast, right? It's, totally. It's as if you're like, okay, hey, we're here and we're going to get deep in this conversation. Exactly. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but me personally, I wish that was sort of like a disclaimer when I enter a conversation with a person yeah. in real life. Like, hey, let's have small talk for a second. But if you're not interested in going deeper, <laughs> okay, I'll just, yeah, I'll just go my separate ways. Just tell but me. I, I totally get it. Yeah, it's so right? therapeutic. And it's really great to kind of dive deep with people and, and learn more about them. Totally. For sure. Yeah. So maybe someday we'll, uh, Crazy Face Uno will publish something fun and 
little short stories. I even just made a little note of it because uh, I've read this down all the time. I was like, book of short stories, you know. Um, I love that. I, and I you should. Cool. I push you to do it. I know. It's liberating. It's scary. It's the so the self publishing process <laughs> is kind of uh, weird because everybody wants to be published by a publisher, right? Sure. You You think about, okay, I want to be published by one of the leading publishers. That would be great. I'll get my stuff out yeah. there. But you have to sacrifice your creative direction very often totally. when that happens. I would I would rather take this into my own hands, especially for something so personal. Mm. So self-publishing is, I think it's sort of a new trend and I'm into it. I agree. I think, I mean, I think it's a combination of, you know, all these different platforms that we're kind of talking about, whether yeah, it's, uh, you know, YouTube, it's, it's really, you know, it's affected the, the media, you know, just, social or not even social uh, our mainstream media because it's hard for Mm -hmm. them i mean you and i can take an iphone out we can go and record a story we can write something about it and post an an article like it's that easy and so Mm -hmm. it really affects that industry you know in in a lot of ways with that now youtube is a new you know it's flourishing especially during this uh crazy time this pandemic time that we live in but you know that really pushes things and I think that it allows people to you know create things like we're doing here at Crazy Vesuno but um, just to be able to take a risk take a chance and and go for it and see what people are interested and see what sticks and then there's the podcast world on on top of that that's also very similar to that you know you look at some of the big name podcasts they a lot of them came from humble beginnings and and rose up and have their brand and the idea that you can kind of market yourself and you can kind of create this brand which is basically what you've done I think it's I think it's great and I think it's a great way to do it and especially when you start networking and having these you know relationships with people that you uh, follow on Instagram and that follow you 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 kind of build this rapport with people Um, yeah it's like a little community totally totally and we were talking about that beforehand you know before we got going and recording that you know you have a lot of like rapport with a lot of the, that community, you're the Maria Crawford community. And I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. And I, I think that that's, I think it's smart. You know, I, I would probably, I wouldn't be looking for a publisher necessarily either. Uh, I think it. Yeah. Just... I mean, can you, can you imagine if, if all the musical artists maybe were able to just do whatever they wanted? Yeah. <laughs> this is just one example, but I mean, I know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lady Gaga, and this mm-hmm. is sort of an offshoot, but I know that she's spoken on the fact that her creative process has been stifled in the past, yeah. and I know she's not the only one. You know, imagine yeah. all the artists that we love are very famous, were able mm-hmm. to just be exactly who they are without the worry of, you know, all of that yeah. fitting into a certain box. So I think exactly podcasts, um, art, poetry, videos. Yeah everything like that if we're just authentically ourselves it's it's a really beautiful thing authenticity is key it's very important it's one of yeah. my core values that i i really strive to be as genuine and and authentic and true to myself and as i can be and you know i we're, we're all human you know and you catch yourself mm-hmm. like what am i doing who am i trying to be right now like stop it mm-hmm. but i think that 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 desire and and making it something to strive for i think is is healthy. I think it's good. I think it's what the world wants. And especially in such a, I think we're coming out of that overproduced over, you know, um, over manufactured 
type of like yeah. content. We want we want the truth. We want real. We want authenticity. Why do you think, you know, the, the Joe Rogan podcast? It's it's huge. It's massive, and he just says it. You know, uh, there's tons mm-hmm. of different podcasts like that. Tons of different videos. And there's, you know, speaking to the music. I mean, there's people making a name for themselves by just singing in a YouTube video and making channels mm-hmm. just with their music. And I think, man. We live in a crazy world that with so many opportunities right now, and it's it's cool to see. It's it's a wild wild west in some ways, but um, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I feel like it's back again, right? The I wild do. wild west. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Especially now. It's all it's all gone rogue again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, before we dive into you know childhood and, and your life, would you mind reading a little bit of your poetry? I would love to. And um, I spoke before on sort of like the three parts of my book. Yeah. There's the, the part when I was going through my breakup, and there's the part when I was sort of meeting myself again and growing. Mm. And then there's the last part, which is um, falling back in love. Yeah. So I would love to just read three, one from each part. Let's do it. Um, they're very short. So Perfect. Um, I'll start with part one, and this is, again, sort of about my breakup so here we go this is one of my favorites so yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) when we met i found my harbor a ship that sailed too long i was tired about to sink so i stayed floated there content in your home but baby i'm no ship i am the water i am my home so that's poem number one. Little, little uh, snaps over here. Nice job. Love it. Thank you. So the second one is more, again, about me finding myself. This poem, I, I don't like to use titles, but I titled this one. Cool. For some reason, it's called Taste. The uglier part of growing has been the backbone in me becoming thicker. No longer does my skin smell of sugar. Now you have to get close enough to taste it in order to know just how sweet it can be. So that's number two. I got chills on that one. (laughs) Thank you. And the last one is about falling in love. And here it goes. I feel it most before I fall asleep, wanting you to know as the day slips away, I'm in love with you. But I stay quiet, sitting in my thoughts, uncomfortable but sweet, this untouchable line between us begging to be crossed. Mm. There you have it. Awesome. Maria, thank you so much for, for reading some of that. I know you have an Instagram. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. I know you have an Instagram for your poetry as well. Do you mind letting people know where they can, what your uh, handle is for people to check some of that out? Yes, it's at Maria Crawford Poetry. So M A R I A C R A W F O R D Poetry. Perfect. So go check her uh, Maria's Instagram profile out. You can read some more of her um, her work, some of her poetry, and we will let you know as soon as she's got something for us to buy uh, in the form of a book, <laughs> and, and hopefully we can. I know I, I plan to buy it, and I hope that other people will as well. So uh, check Thank that out. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I never I never expected any of this. You know, it was sort of like a, a pipe train. So yeah. anybody who is interested, it just it always makes my day. 
I'm totally oh, interested. I love it. I, I love poetry. It's something I, I've enjoyed throughout my life. I've dabbled and played around with, with writing poetry throughout my life. And it's, it's funny how it's always in those like low moments that really inspire me to write. Um, yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Sometimes I joke that I need things to start going wrong so that I can have some <laughs> right? some more stuff to write about. <laughs> it's like all the yeah. the memes that come out with um, you know different mus- musical artists that they go, uh, oh, I hope uh, you know. I don't know. It's like the breakups that come from music artists, and then there's always like top songs yeah. that come afterwards, and it's always fun. No, it's it's not even it's it's a joke, but it's not funny. It's not funny. It's yeah, true. it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that everybody will go check them, check out your Instagram page at Maria Crawford Poetry. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun page for sure. I've read through quite a few of your different posts and and uh, pieces, so it's really great. Thank you, Maria. Thank you. Let's throw it back to childhood. You ready to dig in? Okay. Are you ready? Because <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I know okay. you're a sharer, right. so I am as well. I am. We're in for a good time. Okay. All right, Maria. Why don't you start off? Tell us a little bit about your childhood and what your childhood was like for you. Okay. Oh boy. Well, that's a loaded question. I know. Well, let me start. Let me start. Um, I'm from Illinois. I grew up in the Midwest good old Illinois cornfield mm. central. Nice. I was born in Barrington, actually, but Dang I lived it. in a little town called Crystal Lake. Okay. But as I said to you, I've moved quite a bit. So um, the majority of my childhood was spent in Bartlett, Illinois. <laughs> okay. But I'm an only child. Me too. Um, I was really close with my cousins growing up. But I think that if I try to focus on the good parts of my childhood, yeah. I, I remember a lot of really fun traditions that my family had. I spent every summer going to um, my family's lake house in mm. Minnesota. I don't know if you may have heard of it or not, but it was very close to Battle Lake, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Sort of yeah. semi-close to Fargo. Totally. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's where I spent most of my summers. Yeah, very, very much. Maybe not all the way to the tippy top, but it's a little bit further north. It's up there. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was beautiful, and I I really cherish that part of my childhood. But um, my mom's side of the family is 100% Italian, so I have a lot of Italian traditions, including, you know, holidays and Mm -hmm. um, the food that we make. Yep, salads after... um, after pasta. Oh yeah. And it's and it's soft, not gravy where I'm from. <laughs> nice. Yeah. In New Jersey, which is where I lived for a, a little bit of a good chunk of my adulthood, they call it gravy really? instead of soft. Which yeah. is insane to me, but okay. Yeah. Um I'm a anyway, sauce guy yeah, too, so, so I, we'll go with sauce. Good, good. <laughs> sauce it is. So I've perfected my Nona's recipe and, and mm. I'm very proud of myself. But yeah, so my childhood was, it was, those are the good parts, but I also, I I told you I'm a sharer and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of struggles. Um, Both of my parents struggled with addiction and I'm very, very lucky and blessed that my dad is 
23 years sober now. Congrats. And my mom is, um, she's doing okay. She's sober now, but she's, she's had a little bit more of a hard time, but we have, we have a really good relationship and so do my dad and I. So I'm, I'm blessed and lucky in that sense. Yeah. Um, but it definitely caused a lot of struggle in my childhood for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. So yeah, it had a lot to do with all the moves, the instability. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know what? I try not to be a sob story, you know? I yeah. try not to be, like, the girl who has all these family problems and who had so many struggles as a kid. I try to be the person who had a hard time but learned a lot from it, and I think that I did. And I keep using the word lucky, but I am, because, yeah. in a sense, I really think I could have ended up on one of two paths, and that's either the path that you kind of go down the same road that your parents went down and you end up with the wrong crowd and you end up, you know, sort of self-medicating and mm -hmm. upset or you go down the path where you grow, you learn about yourself, you take those lessons as an opportunity to grow um, and you try to push through. And I think that I like to say I'm on the latter path because um, I do my best every day to use the lessons that I had in my childhood for you towards being a better person and an even better therapist and I know in the beginning of this we said you know if if you haven't been through anything how are you going to help anybody well I have I have my fair share of stuff that I've been through <laughs> um but I'm I'm grateful for it yeah so yeah so that's kind of I mean my childhood was a lot of moving around a lot of um instability but it was also like I was grounded in my family traditions that every year no matter where I was yeah, you know who I was living with, my mom or my dad. I always had that big Italian family Christmas. I always had Easter and you know the holidays, and my yeah. family made a big deal of even Halloween was fun for us. <laughs> you know, we yeah. my mom loves Halloween, and so do I. So I had a lot of good times, but it was definitely um, a grounding experience for me. For sure. I was going to ask you about traditions. Is there any mm -hmm. traditions that are, you know, that you can think of from your childhood that really stick out to you? Well, I think that um, my mom really ingrained Halloween into my mind. And maybe nice. it's because her and I are both of a uh, black sheep of our family. So yeah. I like to say yeah. we're just like a little bit different. Um, sure. And as much as we really love uh the traditions that some of our older relatives had put in place, we sort of wanted to create our own. And so my mom would always make a big deal of Halloween because it's not a religious holiday. It's sort of just like a something fun for everybody to do if yeah. you choose to celebrate it. So um, she would take me and my friends to this little pumpkin farm every year and um, drive us down this road that was meant to be haunted. And I can I swear on this podcast? Go for it. Yep. She would scare the shit out of us <laughs> on this haunted road. She would tell us these ghost stories and just, you know, terrify us. Yeah. But um, there were myths and legends that this road was haunted by uh, the ghosts of some some students who had died going to prom, that they had been decapitated. And so nice. we, we were just, we were terrified, but yeah. it was so much fun. And I guess because she was so adamant about making Halloween fun for me that I try to carry on that tradition as an adult. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I what love is it. it. What is it about like 
kids and wanting to be scared like throughout I don't know (laughs) I I mean like it's like a I don't know maybe even I think even college I remember you know doing being I don't know it's just something interesting like we like want to be scared or like you think you're supposed to we do yeah we seek out being scared I I've gone the opposite direction as I've gotten older and I would like to think a little bit wiser, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch that scary movie. Like, that's stupid. Why would I want to be scared? Like, I'm just going to avoid being scared at something. So, or, you know, whatever it is. I, I, we used to do the same stuff and, you know, every once in a while you still get caught up in it, but it's so funny about kids and, and being scared. You just like drink that stuff in. Yeah, no, it was like the best and the worst day of my life every <laughs> year that we went down that road. I, yeah. I remember it vividly, but I also don't really want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. My I have this like now just this flashback of uh elementary school and being told about the what the lady in the mirror, you know, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Oh you know, yes, so yes. I remember being I like, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Tried that multiple times. To- yeah, nothing never happened. It was fine. See, I I never tried it. I never did. I <laughs> am proud to say that I was too terrified. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Ever try that. Yeah, I tried but a few of those good different to know. silly things. Didn't work. Maybe it worked for other people. Maybe it just wasn't uh, connected enough. I don't know. I don't maybe, know. <laughs> maybe you're like <laughs> secretly possessed or something. <laughs> probably, probably. No, watch no, out, world. I don't wish that upon you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's cool. The, Halloween, it's it's funny the different ones, different things. Like for me, Halloween, we didn't celebrate Halloween growing up. But the thing that we did really? do yeah. on Halloween was always go, we'd always go to the mall. We'd always go to the candy store. We'd buy a bunch of candy. My mom would stick it in her purse and we'd go watch a movie. Oh, that's nice. See, yeah. I mean, it's different, but it's what a nice it's memory that it's, is. It is. It is a nice memory. It was really fun. I also feel like I missed out on like, Maybe one of the brighter spots in childhood of like dressing up and having fun with uh, Halloween, but I don't know. It's so interesting. you didn't dress up? No, I never really dressed up, and even in like when I got to high school, I started doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Middle school, maybe, but yeah, no, I never really did. My family didn't. I, I grew up in a very like conservative Christian household, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just one of those things that we didn't we didn't participate in and then as I've gotten older right. I started to think on my own and decide on my own some of those different things and I'm like ah that was kind of silly but I have great memories about that time just because of you know like because we didn't like my parents wanted to give me an experience still which I appreciate oh that's nice yeah, yeah and so like I have these very fond memories it was always that was the thing we did we had a lot of like monumental I don't know like birthdays it's just the classic thing you go to a restaurant you know and and yeah. And have, like, celebrate your birthday. So for my dad and I, it was always Red Lobster. And for my mom, it was always Olive Garden growing up. And, you know, it's the same for, Oh, like, you are so Midwest. You are so, so Midwest. Midwest. like me. Yes. Oh, I feel it in yeah. my bones. Yeah, you get it. You get it. That was, like, <laughs> yeah, that was the fine dining you. that we had. <laughs> I used, Did you ever go to Lone Star? Uh, not very often, actually. That was one. We, we ended up... Know- you Tex- know what I'm talking about, totally. though, right? Texas Roadhouse <laughs> turned into, like, yes. that was, like, yes. what we really enjoyed now or, you know, in the past. But, yes. Yeah, total Midwest so guy Lone, here. Lone Star, yep, was my birthday dinner. And it nice. was the good old chain restaurant birthday yep. dinner. Yes, I, I absolutely. And that was another thing. My birthdays were always another really great tradition. Um, I, I didn't always have it, but I was very, very lucky that my mom um threw me a birthday party in a new orleans themed hotel 
So and fun. so I grew up with this affinity for New Orleans. And I know some people say New Orleans, but I say New Orleans. So do I. It must <laughs> and, be a Midwest thing. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, but I did go there, and some people say New Orleans, okay. who are from there. So we're validated. All right. Um, but, yeah, so that was another really great memory that I had with my, my birthday being in such a cool place and also going to my really great chain restaurant dinners. <laughs> Heck, yeah. I mean, I have yeah. those are some of my favorite times. Like, I, I don't remember any specific things, but just having those moments where it was, like, something you went and celebrated, I think was uh, – I don't know. It made an impact on me. I think about it. Me too. Me too. What are what were some of your other interests, or what were some of your interests in as like a child? Involved in any like athletics, music, nature? Yeah. Um. So I think that the very first thing that I got interested in, and I I have to check myself here because I'm always like kind of embarrassed to admit it, but there's no reason to be. <laughs> is that I I was a really badass cheerleader nice. I was a cheerleader for eight eight years and I was really great at it yeah now this was when I was sort of more I was younger sure. it was um up until the end of eighth grade so once I went to high school I switched to doing theater which funny enough I'm not really as embarrassed to say yeah which is a little bit backwards isn't it it's like people would be embarrassed to say they were in musical theater over being a cheerleader right in <sighs> good old so. America yeah I guess but, so like um, no, I mean, I, I was a cheerleader. I was really good at it. I had a lot of fun. Sure. Um, and as I became a teenager and a little bit older, um, musical theater, I started becoming interested in art. That's when I started writing poetry. Um, I've always been interested in that type of world, like the artistic world. Mm. And that's actually what drew me to, um, moving to New York city when I turned 18. Oh. So, I think that it all had its own path. Nice. That's cool. That's fun. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe it's just because people like to dog on the stereotypes of being a cheerleader, but I mean, I, I feel like that's what you like to do, you know? I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I was in sports, so, you know, peg me for a jock if you want, but like that was my jam. Like I, I still love sports. I love watching football and not everybody does, you know, my wife could care right. less. she doesn't want to watch that but I could Pretty care cool less of you to be okay with that <laughs> yeah but I could care less about her like trashy romance novels that she reads or you know whatever it is that she's yeah. enjoying so you know we we figure and that's it the out beautiful thing is like you can love someone despite their interests of course you know it doesn't all have to be the same such a common misconception mm. that you have to be fully on board with each other's interests in a relationship no like that's a beautiful piece of it that you yeah. can be an individual within a relationship and a partnership totally um and i think that that's awesome yeah but cheerleading was really great for me we did competitive cheerleading so we, i cheered for football Ooh. for a couple of years and then um as i got older it was just strictly competitive so i was the flyer i'm only 411 i'm very very tiny oh wow um, that's a fun so fact they were the ones yeah i'm very short <laughs> uh, I think it comes from my Sicilian background, nice. um, but they—I was the one who got thrown up in the air. It was a lot of fun. We—it was very challenging and athletic, um, and I had a great time with it. And then once I transitioned into theater, I had a great time with that too. Um, I love singing and dancing and stuff like that. So I had a lot of fun with all of it. It just reminded me—I saw this video the other day. It was a 
dad that was holding his like probably three or four year old girl and she had like all the dance you know all the cheer stuff and he was like lifting her with one hand and and her feet and she had her arms down to the side you know just tight and she had her Mm -hmm. body nice and straight and he'd like throw her up you know and I don't know he was doing a bunch of different like cheer dance you know type moves and um like flyer type stuff and it's I think it's really cool to see like kids doing high level like little kids doing high level like whatever it is, you know, I've, I've watched some of those. Athletic stuff, right? yeah, yeah. Like, no, and, and not even just athletic, anything really. Yeah. It's like they get so interested in it that they're already good, you know, yeah. even for a young age. When you it's see kids that are awesome, like really. five or under cooking or boxing or dancing or, you know, singing or, you know, cheer, yeah. doing cheer singing moves. Especially, can you believe those videos of the little, little <sighs> kids singing? You're just, like instant tears. Blows my yeah. Talk totally. about instant tears. <laughs> <laughs> instant tears. There we go. I love I it. I love it. Uh, what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? When I was a kid? Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Um, <laughs> well, that's funny because I, I don't know why, but I'm imagining. When you asked me that question, I'm imagining the picture of myself in a devil costume when I was seven years old. <laughs> Like, having no idea what life even is. But I think, you know, there's a funny story, and there's absolutely no reason for it. But in fourth grade, we had to do, like, a report on careers. Yeah. And for some reason, I got obsessed with the the idea of being a paralegal, like, for a lawyer. That's so funny. Like, an an assistant to a a lawyer. Yeah. And I don't know (laughs) if it was just the word itself. I love it. Or or something, but I think that I also always I always had my eye on on teaching in some capacity, and and although I'm not a teacher, I I do have a hand in that um, still because I yeah living in New Jersey, I had a, a tutoring business where I taught English as a second language and nice. um, also early childhood education and some um, special education stuff. So I really did enjoy that, and I had fun teaching. So I think a part of me always knew that I wanted to work with people helping them in some way, but yeah. it obviously, you know, grew into something bigger than that once I knew what I was really talking about. But I always thought that was hilarious that fourth grade Maria thought I would be a paralegal. paralegal. <laughs> what is that? That's my favorite. <laughs> I love it. That's one of my favorite questions. I, I asked, like, it's one of my standard questions I ask all my guests and it's, I love it because you get just such random things from astronaut yeah, like, to, who- <laughs> paralegal to dr- dump truck driver to you know like yeah. I've, I've gotten to so many good answers I love it it's one of my favorites so I mean I was also I always thought I was a witch as a child so I also <laughs> thought I was just gonna like go into the woods and be a witch by myself but that's just another creepy fact about my Man. only childhood only child childhood <laughs> we're learning so much so, about you I'm a little bit of a weirdo but I'm into it <laughs> I love it I'm embracing it I love it that's so much fun. A paralegal. Of, <laughs> yeah, uh, of paralegal the, witch. Yeah, a paralegal witch in a devil costume. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, you need to write a po- poem about that. Just yeah, are you scared fit it yet? in there somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if we... Halloween, I told you. <laughs> yeah, you clearly enjoyed it. That's awesome. You've talked a little bit about how, you know, you had some struggles as a child. Mm-hmm. How do you see those things, you know, some of those different struggles you had and, um, you know, maybe your life today and how those have really 
kind of culminated into who you are? Or, you know, you've, you've mentioned like it's made you who you are today. So you've all obviously sounds like you've learned some lessons and you've learned some things throughout your experiences in childhood. And, you know, before we get to kind of adolescent high school time, are there things from, you know, the early times of childhood that you, you feel like you've maybe learned a few things or have some lessons or have some pieces of you that have, you know, grown into who you are because of those things? Oh yeah. Um, for sure. And I think honestly, my early childhood years have been some of the most defining years of my life. Mm. I think that those years have helped me develop so much compassion and empathy for others. Mm. Um, my parents were divorced when I was four, okay. and I spoke a little bit before on how my parents both struggled with addiction. Um, when I was four years old, they were both in the trenches of it, like the worst yeah. parts of it. So I think as young as I was, obviously children are intelligent and they're beautiful, so they pick up on stuff. Yep. And I know that I did too. Um, and so I think that although in some ways this is also what, caused a lot of the struggles that I have as an adult in terms of like feeling um, some of my attachment styles, some of my yeah. um, needs in, in romantic relationships, stuff like that. It also helped me be a really great caretaker, mm. a really great em uh, person at empathizing, a really compassionate person um, because I was always, I don't want to use the word forced, but I needed to step up into the role of a caretaker a little bit too much yeah. as a kid. Um, but as I grew up and I learned and I was able to sort of process some of my traumas, some of my baggage, some of my, you know, story, I think that I learned how to make it a positive mm. and how to, <clears throat> I guess, just grow from it and be a better person from it. So, yeah. I, I really am a kind, understanding person because of my struggles. And even though it was really hard, I would never take it back because I honestly, the biggest takeaway from it is I never want to see anybody else hurting. I, I don't like to see other people yeah. in pain, suffering. I don't like to see people having hard times. So if there's anything I can ever do to step in, offer some advice, some guidance, yeah. just Honestly, just to be someone who can listen, that's, it brings me a lot of joy. And so I think that it's really formed me. And even my career, too. You know, I think it had, totally. a, it had a hand in my future career. So, Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, I, I second all of those things that you said, especially, you know, the... I don't know, I think it's, it's interesting to, to look at a whole bunch of different things. And one of the questions that kind of popped up in my head as you were talking is do you think that empathy is innate or is it learned? I don't think it's innate. Um, I think that maybe I wish it was, and maybe I was wrong that it is. Maybe to a certain extent it is. Yeah. I think that anybody uh, who is a human being yeah. will see someone, even if it's someone they care about, will go even that far, someone that you do have feelings for in some capacity, You'll see them hurting, right? And you'll have some sense of, like, I want to help them, right? I want yeah. to relieve their pain. I want to soothe or comfort them, right? So I think that it maybe is a little bit of an innate reflex, 
But I've also met people who are not like that, you know? So, yeah. And I, I have to be honest, it's, it's all about checking our biases, right? I judge those sure. people. I, I question it. I, I say, how is this person a human being? If mm. They can look at someone in pain who's upset, really badly upset or, or struggling and not want to do a thing about it, right? Yeah. But that's what makes me unique. You know, I've, I've tried to sure. separate myself from judgment and try to say, okay, well, that's who they are. And this is who I am. And if I see someone struggling, I, I really have a deep fire in my belly to help them. And that's just what makes me who I am. So I I like to hope that empathy is innate, but I don't know if Not it so. is. I don't, I really don't. Yeah, it, it's a interesting question. It, it's something I've thought about, you know, a lot in the past for sure. And, and I think that I do subscribe to it being an innate thing within us. I think that empathy is, Mm -hmm. but I think that maybe to your point that maybe there's levels, you know, and, and that, you know, I think that there's personalities that definitely align a little bit more with the empathetic, you know, lifestyle or person or, or or who you are, you know, that, that mindset. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, you you make some good points, and you got my brain going now. I'll have to think about that one for sure cool. once we get off the podcast. But yeah, I don't know. There's, you're right because there are some people that it's not the same, and I think maybe that's yeah. the box that we try to, you know, at least for me, like I really try to see things through my lens of how I see it, you know, and and right. you hear that come out especially on the podcast and even some of our conversations beforehand of. You know, like, oh, man, I really have that in common. And that's something that I really hope that people that listen to the podcast really do pull from. That's part of the thing that I love about the origin story and going back in time and talking about childhood and talking about, you know, adolescence and high school and college and current day. And, you know, that that life cycle, that life origin story that you get to tell, because I think you get to know a little bit about people. You get to know a little bit more about them and um their personalities and, and, and whatnot, but I don't know. It's a, right. no, it's that's, a, and that's so interesting too. It's, it's like almost as if, I mean, and that's another question is, is personality almost built in in its nature versus nurture and that right. whole argument. And I mean, maybe would I be less empathetic if I had a different upbringing? Yeah, maybe yeah. I would be, maybe I would be more self-interested. Maybe I would be less, um, less of a sap, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But I think everything that happened to me uh, also culminated to make me as caring and as kind and as gentle as I am. Um, and I'm, and like I said, even though everything was so difficult for me, I'm I'm so grateful for it because yeah. I think I can do a lot of good with it. It was almost a balance. So, totally. Yeah. No. I mean, that was a really awesome question. And I, th- I think that's the difference against you know some of what Freud has to say. <laughs> you know, I mean. Oh yeah. I think we're. I don't think we're we're partly products, but we're not a complete makeup. I think we have choice, you know, and I, I think it's cool to see how you go, you know what? I've been through some shit, but you know what? Like I'm going to, I'm going to do something different and I'm going to, I'm going to write a different story for myself. I'm not, I'm not who I'm not what's happened to me. I am me, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that right. that's really important. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you, you kind of have to take your own identity from it and see what feels 
the best for you in your gut and in your heart and, you know, kind of go with it. You can't really be a sob story for too long. I mean, you everybody has to sit in their feelings for a little bit. Everybody totally. has to be upset about the, the bad things that have happened to them for a little while because that's healthy. It's part of processing. But once you get past that, you got to just move forward and be positive. And um, as hard as that as that is, yeah. it's a really liberating thing. Completely, completely. Man, I uh, was thinking about a couple different questions here as we kind of progress yeah. things down the life of Maria. But how many times did you move be- like in as a, as a child before middle school? Mm, okay, let me think about remember? this. Well, I've moved. Let me let me think. I moved. I think I moved maybe maybe a total of like eight times as an adult. Okay. And 17 times in total. So what is that? Can you do the math Nine, for me? yeah, nine. <laughs> yeah, nine, maybe like nine, ten times as a kid and okay. a little bit less as an adult. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Well, let's move into kind of that adolescent, that middle school, high school kind of time frame. Um, what, how would you describe yourself as like a student? Mm, okay, so this is a fun question. Um when I was younger, I had a hard time with school. I missed, honestly, I missed about 40 days mm. of school per year as a child. And I think that had a lot to do with my upbringing and yeah. my unstable environment and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. I honestly don't have an answer to this. But somehow, once I got into high school, I had some interest in getting the hell out of there and I graduated at the end of my junior year so I went to my advisor and I said I need I'm I can't take this anymore I was not a high school person I didn't like it I said I need to get out of here or I'm gonna drop out and obviously Mm. I I don't think I would have dropped out I just I was like you know fed up that day but my advisor what a wonderful wonderful person that that person was (laughs) he said you're not dropping out of high school, you're going to graduate a year early. And that sounded so wonderful to me <laughs> that nice. I took I took a summer school class. I did some online classes, and I passed some aptitude tests, and I graduated at the end of my junior year instead. So Good for you. That, that led into me um, being super, super smart in college, like maybe also not just smart but also psycho, that I kept <laughs> a 4.0 all the way through, Ooh. still have it. Somehow, I don't really look at you. I think it's just a lot of discipline. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of studying and like pushing myself and being a self-proclaimed perfectionist in that area of my life. But um, yeah, so I I went from like a kid who didn't know what the hell was going on in elementary school to get me the hell out of here in high school to I need to be serious about my, my academics as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. That is a congratulations. Nice job. Thank you. Thanks 4. so much. 4.0. That is that's no small feat. That's a that's a very you should be proud of that accomplishment. That's really good. I do. I do see it as one of my accomplishments, but I also try not to get in my head about it because if I get an A minus one day, I don't want to, yeah, you know, yeah. impl- implode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I but, I know that you, you know, do I've come to terms with it. I know you do talk a lot about, you know, some you know, your own mental health and anxieties, does mm-hmm. that perfectionistic, that, you know, s- that ambition in some ways, 
does it cause you anxiety ever? Yeah, it does. I, I yeah. think that, um, I feel that too. Sometimes I'm just really hard on myself. Mm. Um, because I think, and I think that this is wrong of me if I'm being very, uh, analytical, but I think that sometimes I look at what I was able to achieve in the past and I hold myself to that mm. in the present. And I think that, um, that's unfair because no current situation is identical to a past one. And so I, Although I was able to achieve a 4.0 all the way through my undergrad, I think that I need to give cut myself some slack if my life doesn't look quite the same and I yeah. don't have the same support or I don't have the same environment or I don't have the same amount of time to yeah. dedicate to my schooling. You know, it's all just a perfect storm of what you're able to do or not. And so um, just the fact that I know that I can achieve that and it's just a product of my environment from here on out um and also of course my own you know ambition and and dedication to it but i can't beat myself up if for some reason in the future i don't achieve the same level of success because now i know i'm capable of it so anybody who was successful in the past you know and maybe is having a hard time now it doesn't mean that you're no longer that person Mm. it means that you know the circumstances of your life may be different and not supporting you as well so that one, I, I, tr- that one hit yeah, home. Maria. I, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just a perspective that I have because I've tried to cope with my perfectionism. I've tried mm. to cope with being overly harsh on myself. And I think that that's the conclusion I was able to come to. Mm. Yeah. I wrote that little time frame down. Cause that one, that one stuck out to me. That one, that one kind of hit me. I got to I got to think through that one. I got to process that a little bit. That was good. Thank you for that. Of course. No, I'm glad I'm glad I hit home. I mean, think about it. If you if you're all of a sudden a, you know, a working parent of kids and you're married, are you going to be the same person that you were when you were right. a single student or something? You not know. Right. So, I mean, if, are you going to beat yourself up because you're not achieving the same stuff that you were? Yeah. achieving in the past or anything anything really can be a different circumstance your stress levels anything so i think that it's all about perspective it's all about kindness and grace for yourself and just understanding that if you've made an achievement that is always going to be yours so totally yeah we hold ourselves to weird expectations Especially, you know, I'm constantly reevaluating those things. We we talked about, you know, one of those <laughs> uh, expectations I have, you know, just for the podcast, I, it's, I don't edit. And, you know, it's like one of those, it's, it's that ty- same type of thing in some ways of sometimes I reevaluate some of these different expectations I put on myself or, you know, I put on other people or I put on this business or whatever it is. And I go, hmm, is that the hill I want to die on? You know, is that, is it worth right. it? Like, is, is this like me stressing about this, me being anxious about this, me like, you know, getting frustrated or upset. Is this worth it? You know, is, is the, the result of my response to this, is it worth it? Um, because sometimes it's not. And I have to like, I have to talk myself off that ledge sometimes of going, you know what, that's not, uh, that's not the thing that I need to focus on, or that's not the thing I want to do, or, that expectation isn't realistic. Let's reevaluate that. Let's set it. Let's set one that's a realistic expectation. Or, like you said, I'm not that person anymore. So that expectation shouldn't mm-hmm. be this. Or, um, you know, it's 
that's a very interesting to tie it into something else. It's it's the same with who we are is how we change, you know, mentally, we're also changing physically. And, you know, I, I talked about like, I love sports and I've realized over the last several years that I'm getting a little bit older and that (laughs) though I want to push my body to the extent that I used to when I was younger and in my athletic, uh, (laughs) adventures, I, I'm not capable of that anymore and I'm not doing all the same yeah. things so my body doesn't respond the same way and doesn't do the same thing. And that's an ego blow, isn't it? At times. You yes. know, it, 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 <laughs> it kind of says, oh, well, what the hell? Why, you know, yeah. why am I different now? But you have to, again, look at yourself with, with love and say, okay, where am I at right now? And almost people talk about meeting other people at their level, right? You hear that phrase, meet them at their level. What are they capable of? Don't expect yeah. more than people are capable of. Well, why don't we meet ourselves mm. at our own level? Preach. And we're all evolving. So, yeah, I mean, that our bodies are ever-changing. And I think during this pandemic, I've seen a lot of body image, body capability stuff. I mean, are we all working out at home? Some of us are. Some of us are just sitting on our asses doing nothing, you know? And I'm raising my hand right <laughs> if, now. <laughs> if, yeah, no, and I'm one of those people, and I'm kicking myself about it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but, you know, where am I at? I have to be gentle with myself totally. and understand that my body is serving a purpose. So, yeah, again, academically, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, whatever it is, meet yourself at your new level yeah. of where you're at right now. So, yeah, it's totally. really important. You got to check in with yourself completely. So you moved a lot, Maria. We've we've established yeah. that seventeen times yeah. um, over your life. How did that affect your ability to make friends? Do you feel like you had a lot of friends, or was that something that you struggled with? Oh, this is a golden question. This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have struggled with friendships my entire mm. life until about the past year of my life. <laughs> Sorry. And I think that that's okay. Um, I think that friendships for me were, was all—they were always tricky, and I never understood why. Yeah. Um, I always thought it was me. I thought it was a mm. fl- reflection of who I was. People didn't like me. I was weird, whatever. Um, and I am different. I think that I'm the type of person that needs to click with people to kind of you know, really have a deep friendship with them. But that doesn't mean I can't be friendly with just about anybody, you know? Um, Are are you going to be my best friend or in my close circle? I don't know. You know, maybe not because I'm more selective. But if you are, like, I love you until no end. Yeah. And I think that took a lot of time for me to really grasp and understand. The moving, um, moving schools, I went to, I think, six different schools in my life, six or seven different schools. Um, so that was really, really, really hard. I always was the new kid. I was always yeah. being judged and bullied because of that. And mm-hmm. even, even still moving to New York city at 18 and, and then very shortly after to New Jersey and then here again to Maine, it's like, yeah. I can't stay still. How am I supposed to hold myself, um, you know, to making deep bonds with people, but something shifted in me over the past year. I don't know, maybe because I'm getting closer to 30. I don't know. Right. But um, I've accepted who I am. I've accepted the fact that I am lovable. I'm not unlovable. Yeah. And I'm letting people in who I feel very connected with. And it's it's been a journey. 
I don't know if I love that word, but <laughs> it has been. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I'm really excited about it because it's, t- it's taken me a really, really long time to feel comfortable, especially with female friendships. Mm. I've had a really hard time with female friendships as a woman. Um, I feel like some, some women have been cruel to other women. I don't know if it's the yeah. climate of things these days or what it is, but something has shifted within the woman-to-woman um, relationships. We are really at a wonderful time right now where we're accepting each other and we're raising yeah. each other up and we're loving each other more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And again, it could be my age and my and my wisdom that I'm gaining or it could be a different time in the world. And yeah. whatever it is, I'm grateful for it because I, I love my friends and yeah. um, I'm so grateful for them. But it took a really long time to get to that point. Yeah. Friendships, when you move a lot, it's tough. It's a it's a battle. Especially sure. as an adult, right? <clears throat> oh, like, where worst. do you meet friends as a grown-up? I don't know. I use the meetup <laughs> app. And then I just yeah. found things that I like, you know, that my wife and I had interest in. And we, we actually found a group of people that we've really become close with uh, over the last, you know, almost year now. Um, See, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we, my wife played volleyball in high school and when she was younger. And so there's a beach. So we played beach volleyball. We, before pre-pandemic, we played beach volleyball every Saturday. And, yeah. Oh. You know, you start playing with those people, and then you go for drinks afterwards, and then you go watch a movie, or you have people over, you know, to, to do something, or you guys go do something else later, and you start to build those relationships. And but I, this has been maybe one of the easiest times I've had in my life. But I've, mm-hmm. it's also different because I'm not alone, you know. And I think that's right. This is the first time I've moved with someone um, outside of my family, you know, and, and I think that that's maybe a little bit different, but yeah, man, being an adult no, I think and meeting helpful, friends is hard. Yes. <laughs> no, it is. It's really hard. And, and honestly, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't want to say blame it because blame has become somehow a negative word, yeah. but I don't know if I can blame it on the community in Portland, Maine. Like sure. this is such a small little city with such a wonderful community that it's been really easy for me to meet people. It's like once you meet one friend, they have a million friends that you get to meet and be friends with too. Yeah. Um, or if it's just my new outlook on it, but um, yeah, moving a lot has, has put a strain on my friendships. I, I would say I don't have, any friendships that are from my childhood left anymore yeah and that's sad i mean there's a couple people i keep in touch with but we're not close yeah um so i would say honestly anybody who is listening to this who has you know moved a lot don't blame yourself for not having friends right like it's hard it's really hard and it's something that i think if you can find someone else with a similar experience you all relate to each other mm-hmm. and not to beat yourself up about it, not to take it personally. Totally. Cause it's just a different path. Yeah, totally. So we're, we've been kind of talking in this, uh, adolescent high school time frame uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. What was the relationship with your parents, you know, during this time? And a question that kind of came up when I was thinking about this question was when did they start getting clean? I know you mentioned oh, the, yeah. the dates or, you know, how long they've been, they've been, you know, sober, but is it somewhere along those lines or what, how did this relationship, I guess, with your parents kind of evolve over time? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and it's a really big part of my story too. And 
Um, my relationship with my parents during my adolescent and high school years was tricky. Um, as a younger child, to throw it back really quick, I, I was very close to my mom, and um, that was because when my parents got divorced, I was four, and they, you know, I lived with my mom primarily. Mm-hmm. So I think I um, kind of clung to her, but I, I saw my dad a lot, and, you know, he was always there for me. But funny enough, into my adolescence, I became a little bit closer with my dad. And I, I think now, looking back on it with a little bit more wisdom and clarity, that's because my mom was still struggling with addiction well into my teenage years. Gotcha. While my dad got sober when I was five. So um, he had been well into his sobriety yeah. by the time I was a teenager. Um, and we were able to develop a really healthy relationship and bond despite their divorce, despite um, the fact that he wasn't my primary parent uh, or household, I should say. Yeah. And um, so when I was 16, I actually moved in with my dad. And it was a struggle for a little bit because it was different. Um I moved in with him because living with my mom was no longer like a healthy thing. Um, she was in an abusive relationship, so I needed to yeah. um, separate myself from that. And moving in with my dad was weird. He worked a lot. I didn't see him a lot, but I knew the love that he had for me. And he actually is the sole reason that I ended up moving to New York at 18 because he was the only one who was like, you can take hey, it, you can do it, like yeah. you can do this. And I'm going to help you get there. He drove me there. You know, he helped me move into my apartment. Mm. He was there for all the freak out, I want to come home phone calls and stuff. So while I was a mama's girl as a kid, as I became a teenager, I was much closer with my father. And um, my mom got clean, I guess, a little bit more into my 20s. Yeah. But now she struggles with mental health. So Sure. Um. I don't really understand her level of uh, recovery right now, yeah. but it's definitely uh, no longer as bad as it was when I was a kid. That's good. Uh, thank yeah. you for sharing that. I, I do appreciate it, and I, I'm sure our listeners do as well. Thinking about, so we've, we've talked a little bit about high school. You graduated early, so you graduated junior year. I'm assuming yep. you're probably that 16, 17 range, probably closer to 17 by the time you graduated there. Yep, I was 17. What was kind of the next steps for you? I know it, it sounds like, you know, turning 18 and moving to New York was a big step and something really big for you. What was this like oh, yeah. that year in between or what was the next stages from high school to that next part of your life? Yeah, that was a really pivotal time for me. Um, and I think that it was a desperate time for me. And I look back at it and it sounds so brave, right? Like, oh, 18-year-old girl moves to New York City alone. <laughs> How brave. Yeah. But I think that I was desperate, honestly. Sure. If I'm going to get real with you, I was so desperate to get out of that situation, to get out of the Midwest, to break free of feeling like, you know, so like, a black sheep. Like I said, yeah. I was so different from my family. I was so different from my, you know, people that I went to high school with my friends. I didn't have a lot of friends because I had moved so much. Yeah. I just felt some deep calling towards something bigger. And so I, I remember vividly, I sat down with my dad over um, dinner one night. We were having tacos. <laughs> nice. My favorite. And I said, Dad, I'm moving to New York. And he said, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, 
but I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and so about a week later, we reconvened over more tacos at the nice. same restaurant. And I said, here's my plan. So I said, I'm going to get a job. Um, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to save X amount of money and then I'm going to go. And he said, all right, if you can do it, I'm in. And so I did it. I got a job as a nanny for newborn twins, which was a birth control <laughs> to the extreme. Um, <laughs> I feel you. I get oh, it. Oh, my God. I don't it, have but any... it was great because, <laughs> yeah. We don't have any kids and, and uh, a lot of our friends do and you're you're spot on. I, I can't imagine no, like... twins at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Right? Like, no, it was it was great because they're so adorable and they're so sweet. And I feel like if it were my own kids, it would be so different. Yeah. But, like, someone else's kids at the age of 17, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> but um, I worked for them for quite a bit and I did whatever else I could to save money. Yeah. And my dad was extremely generous in picking up any slack in, in the income that I wasn't able to make, which was, cool. you know, a little bit. And, um I was so grateful for that, and we uh, we went to New York maybe maybe a month before I moved there, and um, found an apartment for me. And then before I knew it, we were just driving up there. My grandma's van jam packed full of stuff that nice. I had, and the rest was history. What what was next? What did you when you got to New York? What what kicked that venture off? Well, funny enough, I um, I was working at, I always worked retail as a teenager because I wanted to mm-hmm. work in fashion. And in the Midwest, like working at Express is the closest thing to fashion yeah. that you're going to get, right? Right. <laughs> so right. I worked at, um, I worked at Express when I was 17 along with nannying. Okay. And um, I thought that my job was going to transfer to New York City because my manager told me that she transferred me there. But I went and I showed up and it turns out that that never went through. So I was in New York City, 18. Oh my God, my apartment was literally a jail cell. It was awful. It was so (laughs) small. First floor, barred windows, overlooking a beautiful brick wall. Like not even, (laughs) not even like another street or the sky or anything. Um, but I, I had to hustle to get a job, and yeah. I, I found one at Bloomingdale's, and I worked the flagship location of Bloomingdale's, and I made commission, and somehow I made it work. But along the way, um, I, I started emailing people and reaching out and trying to get involved in the fashion industry, yeah. and I... I did a lot of unpaid work, but somehow it lent itself to me working for an online magazine um, as a fashion editor, editor, which also lent itself to me um, covering fashion events. And it ended with me working, um, going to Fashion Week at, you know, all the big shows. Yeah, that's awesome. I never, ever thought that that would happen to me. And I, I did a photo shoot with Marie Claire magazine, um, which was really great as a stylist. So we we worked with the clothes and everything. So it sort of um, spiraled once I got there. New York is kind of a place that does that to you. If you hustle, you get places. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that I just really wasn't very passionate about it. So um, eventually the excitement faded and I turned to going back to get my bachelor's and so blah, blah, blah. Now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. New York. Wow. Yeah. So how long did you live in New York? 
I lived there for about a year and a half. Year and a half. And then um, I met a guy, and he lived in Jersey, and sure. um, you know, loved those things to you. So I ended sure up in does. New Jersey. Nice. Did you yeah. like New Jersey, or was was New Jersey uh, less than de- desirable? Um. Yeah. No, it wasn't really a place that I would choose to live. <laughs> um. But it had its perks. I really enjoyed um, getting my bachelor's there, and I, I met a lot of awesome people there, and I, I did enjoy my time there. But if you asked me, like, would you live there for the rest of your life? Yeah. No. Right. Um, but it, as much as people say it's, like, a, a terrible place and not a great state to live in and stuff, it, it, has, it has nice areas, and it has cool places, and I like how close to New York City it was and stuff. Sure. Well, Maria, we're about at that 80-minute mark, and we've got a hard cutoff at 90 minutes, so we're getting towards yeah. the end. I've got a few questions for you. Um, sure. One, I know you said you like to read books. Do you have any recommendations for us? Um, okay, yeah. So I am currently reading, and I'm, I'm really trying to get through it, but it's kind of difficult. The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, yeah. It's uh, for the people who are interested in, like, therapy, counseling, trauma. This is a really great book because it's um, both for professionals and for uh, individuals who have experienced or, or are curious about the topic, I guess. Yeah. It's, it goes into the way trauma affects the human body. Um, and how it's all connected. And it starts way back in like the 70s, 80s, when people thought PTSD was the only form of trauma. Of course, now we know that there's complex trauma, which is small events over the span of a lifetime and all that good stuff. So The Body Keeps the Score is a really, really great book that I'm super interested in right now. Noted. I wrote that down. I I believe I own it. I think I've actually read some of it. Uh, It's hefty. It's big. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and but I, I think I have it in Audible. I think I've purchased that one. I believe I, I have it, but I don't no, know. No, Audible is really great. We're probably going to sound like a commercial, but yeah. I really love um, Audible because I, love I, I also really love um, – I love podcasts and stuff and yep. listening to stuff, and audiobooks are, like you said, are like a game changer. Yeah, I can be cooking. I can be you know doing whatever. I can sit. Yeah. And, I used to commute quite a bit, and so you know it was – just something I did every time I'd pop in the car, I'd throw an audiobook in. And when I learned exactly. of audiobooks, I was like, whoa, <laughs> my life's changing. A whole new world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've read so many books or listened to so many books now that I, I have Audible just, you know, commuting or driving or whatever it is. And I, sure. I, I love it. I'm Audible. We've said it before on here. You can it sponsor us you. at any time. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will <laughs> sing your praises. I love you. <laughs> they're so. great. They're really great. I also know that you've been doing uh, some baking lately. What's your favorite thing to <laughs> <Yes>. bake? <laughs> um, <laughs> banana bread. Banana bread. I mean, who doesn't love banana well, bread, though? So, <laughs> but like, I, I honestly have to stick up for myself here. It, like, my recipe is the best. <laughs> I trust you. I believe you. It's Those Italian roots. Don't lie. I'm telling you. I feel like I eat a lot of other people's banana bread, and I'm underwhelmed. Um, I, I absolutely believe there's lots of great banana bread out there, but I I just love 
making. It's also very easy and simple and quick. But chocolate chip cookies, both of my grandma's recipes. I just love to go to like, you know, old school family recipes. Yeah. And, you know. Well, if you ever need a taste them, tester, you know, you can just, uh, well, I can give you my address, you know. Yes, I'll have to come down to Florida. <laughs> there we go. That'll work too. That'll work too. We've got we've got a spare room, so come on down. Perfect. I have to visit y'all. Perfect. I have three questions. I kind of end every podcast with these questions. They're the most intense yeah. ones of the bunch. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Maria, what would you say you're most proud of to date? I think that I'm just proud of everything that I've pushed through. Um, in my life that has made me a better person. I haven't succumbed to the struggles. I've risen above them. So I'm very, very proud of that. But um, in terms of my current day, I'm really, really proud of my book. Good for you. That's awesome. I'm proud of you for your book. And and, uh, I haven't even read it. And I don't even know you that well. But I'm very proud of you for it as well. I think it's really cool. Thank you. What do you look forward to most in the future? Do you have any goals and ambitions? Obviously, your book's almost done, so that's one of them, but outside of yeah, your book. Yeah, um, so the future, I always I always say to people, I, I try to make plans, and it never <laughs> goes as planned. Sure. So I think what I'm most excited for is just seeing, I'm like a, I'm a universe person, you know, I believe yeah. that things unfold as they are supposed to, so I'm just really excited to see what the universe has in store for me because I really truly believe that as long as I keep going on a good path and and making the next right decision and doing the best thing that I can, that some amazing things will come for me. I believe that as well. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have, do you ever think about your legacy? Yeah, I do. Like when you look back on your life, what do you want people to think, remember you about? What do you want your legacy to be? I think I just want people to to really truly believe and know that I was kind and mm. helpful. Yeah. And when they think of me, you know, they'll think of someone who was really, really pivotal in helping them feel better. And and I don't like to, to use the word happy because I think happy is a fleeting emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think happiness is met at a different cost for everybody. But I think that I, I hope that I can find help some people find peace and contentment in their life. And I hope that's what I'm remembered for, comfort. Awesome. Last question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Looking back, what advice would you tell little Maria? Oh, that's such a good question. Honestly, you know, I meditate on that sometimes, and that might sound yeah. silly, but I, I sometimes I imagine my younger self and I say you know what does she need Mm. because we all talk about nurturing our inner child right and that's a big part of therapy too and I think that I would just tell her to trust your gut and keep going Mm. I love that because there's that's very powerful right trusting your gut Mm -hmm. is powerful because sometimes it goes against things yes and keep going sometimes that's hard yeah as long as you do it typically turns out okay Mm. so I love it. Maria, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I would love for you to give our listeners uh, maybe your Instagram handle, both for poetry. I know you've already said it once, but let's give them a reminder. How can people find you on social media? Show you a little love. 
Thank you. Um, yeah, my poetry Instagram is at Maria Crawford Poetry, and my um, regular personal Instagram is Maria Kylie Crawford. That's K I L E Y. Awesome. We will tag you in those posts and uh, when we post this podcast, and, and we'll get you some uh, some traction over there, hopefully. And congratulations awesome. on your book. Again, just let us know. Thank you. I, I want to be able to celebrate with you and, and help you with your sales with your book. That is amazing. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed talking to you today. It was awesome. Totally. Got three minutes left before I got to close things out. Want to leave us with anything? I just want to say, I guess, that um, I think it's really awesome what you're doing, sharing people's stories, because um, not only does it make people feel, you know, like their stories matter, yeah. but also it perspective is a beautiful beautiful thing you know beautiful. understanding different perspectives and different life stories can really open my mind so i imagine that for other people they may have the same experience so thank you for allowing me to share mine and potentially reach someone else in that way of course. really appreciate it of course thanks again maria appreciate it thank you All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Your contribution helps us share more stories like Maria's and stories just like yours. Speaking of contributions, please visit us on Facebook, Instagram, where you can like and comment on our posts. If you want to go above and beyond, please share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends and family or just random strangers on the street. We're welcome to everyone. Please visit crazyfaceuno.com. That's crazyfaceuno.com. There, you can purchase items from our online store and donate. Once again, your contributions help us share more stories like Maria's stories just like yours. Thanks again for listening. We love you all. Peace!